somebody wake me? Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderbergh. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're Q&A. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello and welcome to the third part of our Infinite Dial series here on the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. My name is Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader. I'm here, as always, with my co-host and founder of the Queued Up Podcasting Agency, John Luckenbaugh. Hello, John. Hey, Jay. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And much as we did in our last episode, we are bringing in a special guest to help us break down some more data from the Infinite Dial. And that is Jason Fields. He is the Chief Strategy Officer over at Voiceified. Hi, Jason. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I guess before we dive into the data, we should ask you, what exactly is a Voiceify and what do you do there? Yes, what is a Voiceify? It's a a rare animal that you rarely see. Voiceify is a uh, SaaS-based content management platform based around deploying to voice assistants of all kinds. Sort of the most recognizable ones for everybody will be Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant, but we also support Samsung Bixby, private voice assistants. So if anybody has ever managed a website and is familiar with a web content management system where you don't have to get your hands dirty in code, you don't have to worry about which browser people are using, you simply manage the content or the web experience through that content management system. That analogy is uh, easily moved over to us when it comes to voice or conversational experiences through voice assistants and chatbots. So what do you do to, to help podcasters in this regard? What would be an example of what a podcaster could do with you? I think the earliest examples we have so far are podcasters leveraging voice assistants like Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant in as a um, distribution channel. So think about somebody being able to, rather than simply go to a podcast channel like Apple or Spotify or whatever you may be using, instead, just simply being able to ask Alexa or Google Assistant to access that podcast and play it. And some people may be saying, well, hey, I already do that because I've got my Spotify account connected to my Alexa account or something of that nature. But when you do it that way, what the podcaster is missing is the ability to create context or to offer secondary or tertiary content around the podcast and make it conversational. And so that's what we do. We give them the ability to own that channel, the ability to broadcast out and create a repository, you know, sort of dynamically connected to a source like a Lipspin or something like that, or you can just simply upload your files into VoiceFi if you'd like. And then you get to own your invocation name. And I'm sure we'll want to unpack some of this stuff here, but <laughs> you get to own your invocation name on Alexa and Google Assistant, which is sort of similar to having a domain name in the web world. And you're able to add supplemental information to engage conversationally with your listeners. Why are smart speakers encouraging more audio listening? Smart speakers are audio in nature. That was the first version of them that came out. The speakers themselves are a really unique device to hone in on when it comes to voice assistance because a speaker without a voice assistant on it is essentially a paperweight. So there are many, many other billions, in fact, of other devices out there besides the speakers, right? We've got smart displays that do essentially the same thing as a speaker, but just have a screen attached to it. So it can be what's called multimodal interaction. You can see things and process things in addition to hearing them. Many televisions. That's essentially a very large smart display because you've got Amazon or Google built into the remote and built into the software, sort of OEM'd in there, right? 
the idea of focusing on speakers, especially for podcasting, is really interesting because the adoption continues to grow. There are some other devices that are creeping up on it, but they continue to grow for speakers and headphones and audibles, things of that nature. And since podcasting is primarily a audio format, there's a really easy sort of two dots to connect there between the two focus areas. That's awesome. Has COVID really affected people listening to podcasts through these devices? COVID increased the use of people and these devices across the board and podcasting was just one of those areas, right? I think what we found in general was that in moments of crisis, you find that certain things accelerate much faster. Technology with uh, the pandemic was one of them, right? So we experienced about a 10x growth on things like e-commerce. E-commerce was growing at about a percentage point a year versus like in-person or retail commerce. And during the pandemic, it grew 10%, right? So we had a 10% massive influx of commerce in 2020 over what we had in like 2019 and 2018. Well, this very similar things are happening with technology and voice assistants are very much in that mix. Whereas people at the beginning of the pandemic were leveraging voice assistants as perhaps novelty, uh, certainly this first party functionality that Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa do, set my timer, play my music, play my podcast. Uh, these sorts of things were still native to what people were doing, but they started getting exposure to and exploring sometimes out of necessity, sometimes out of the idea that things could be easier or faster for them, which with voice, oftentimes they can be, we found that the adoption of voice assistance in general and the devices they're on specifically grew substantially over the course of the pandemic. As we jump into the infinite dial numbers that were released, and speaking of how it grew during the age of COVID here, one third of Americans, 12 plus, that's approximately 94 million people now own a smart speaker which is an increase of 22% from last year and nearly five times what it was in 2017. So the growth of smart speakers, definitely on the rise. Of those that own a smart speaker, 34%, again, one third, have three or more of these devices in their household. The mean is actually 2.3 speakers. So anyone that owns a smart speaker, on average, they have two plus more speakers in their house. What's really interesting as we talk about COVID is of those that work from home, the ownership is actually 49%. So almost half of the people that are now working from home own a smart speaker. Why do you think that was such a key growth option, use and and perhaps even ownership of a smart speaker, just because you worked from home? I think that people that work from home have a different set of challenges in their workplace than people who go into a location to work, um, whether it's manual labor or not, I don't know if it matters. But when you're working from home, you're willing to try out anything that's going to save you a few minutes of time. And there are lots of things that you can do with a voice assistant, controlling it with your voice or asking it to do things for you. That would take 45 seconds on your phone or you'd have to log in somewhere to do it if you're able to simply ask your assistant. The analogy is exactly what you would have a personal assistant for, although having a personal assistant in COVID may not have been the best idea. When I ask if I had a personal assistant someday, maybe if I asked that person to go do to do my dry cleaning, I wouldn't expect them to go out and buy all the chemicals to get my dry cleaning done, right? I'd expect them to have a relationship with my dry cleaner. And by relationship, I mean, probably know where it is, know what their hours of operation are and have the wherewithal to take my clothes there to get dry cleaned. But if I asked them to turn up my stereo, I wouldn't expect my personal assistant to 
go find a way to get it done. I'd expect them to walk over and turn up the stereo, right? So this is difference between that first party and third party functionality, right? The assistants are a facilitator of something. And so when you think about people working from home, anything that they can offload to another resource, whether it's a, a spouse or someone they live with or a child or a voice assistant, is going to help them stay focused on what they need to do inside of their home office. Additionally, I think that speakers provided some entertainment for now a family that was forced to spend all of their time together in the same edifice, right? So there's probably a lot of reasons. I think people that work from home spend their money in slightly different ways than people who need to go out and and do things. And I don't have any data to back that up. I'm just, I'm thinking of disposable incomes or things of that nature. Now, when it comes to the platform that people are using and the device that they own, This was some interesting data that came out as well. People that own an Amazon Alexa use Amazon Music second to Spotify for music. Those that own a Google device still use Spotify the most with no increase to Google Play or YouTube Music. So the brand platform that goes with the brand speaker doesn't necessarily mean much other than what Amazon has done to sort of blend the use of Amazon Music with their devices. That statistic is a really important one to unpack because it affects not only sort of channel selection, it also indicates to us that people are allowed with these voice assistants to remain true to the previous experiences that they liked, right? So if you like Spotify, when you use Google Assistant, there was no reason you had to move your whole life over to uh, Google Play. I sort of joke around with colleagues and peers that voice assistants will end up becoming the the new sort of religious debate, like Ford and Chevy was, you know, in my family when I was growing up. Uh, are you a Google Assistant family or are you an Amazon Alexa family, right? You're going to get these 16-year-old kids that are going to say, I'm done with Google Assistant. I'm going to use Alexa. I'll show them, you know. The truth of the matter is, is that you look at other use cases outside of audio consumption where there's functionality and feature a rich opportunity for brands. And it's a really important nuance to realize that you're not limited to just the platform from which the assistant was born. So. You look at like Amazon Alexa, who has obviously a very deep connection to Amazon.com. A lot of people don't realize they're actually sort of separate entities. Amazon Alexa will tell you when you're, you know, you get that little green ring on your uh, device that tell, basically telling you that you have an alert and there's a package probably on its way to you, right? Well, we've got customers like uh, Wolverine Worldwide is a shoe conglomerate who is letting Alexa ask them specifically where the package is. Rather than it only being an Amazon package, it can now be a brown package of any brand that you engage with. And that's the, that's the benefit of a personal assistant as well as a voice assistant, right? They're there to do your bidding. As long as the podcaster or the brand is willing to receive the inquiry and have a response, it's there for the taking. So let's get into the, the podcasting and voice assistants here, Jason. For the smart speakers, is there a better format for podcasts, whether it be full episodes or just taking like smaller forms of content and putting those out there? Do you have a recommendation? Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite subjects. And you and I have had a bit of a back and forth on this in some previous conversations. And it's it's really fun to unpack because I think that there's an opportunity for podcasters to really blow out what a podcasting experience can be. The long form podcast, and you know, I was looking through some other research before our, our call today. And what's interesting, it's you know, like over 50% of people listen to podcasts all the way through. I don't know if that's in one sitting or not, but they, they listen to the whole thing, right? Over 50% of people listen to it all the way through. And also over 50% of people think that podcasts are too long. 
So some people think it's too long, but also listen to it all the way to the end. So I think that there is an opportunity to shorten up the format or to break it up into different segments. I think one of the things that excites me most about what voice assistants can do, there are actually two things that excite me. One is the ability to leverage all of the research and information and data that one has collected and curated in preparation for a podcast in order to allow the user to gain access to it in a subsequent format, right? So the use case here is, let's let's say here, uh, John, you give the statistic of Amazon Alexa is second only to Spotify is the music. And that's a really interesting statistic. If you want to know more about that, just simply say Alexa, ask queued up about the Amazon statistic. And now because they're already on a smart speaker, they've essentially paused the podcast. They have dove into a deeper level of conversation with you. You had all this information available because you prep, you needed it in order to prep for the podcast that, that they're right. listening to. Right. But it allows you to leverage that into a secondary way. So it gets them involved in that conversational, that voice app or that Alexa skill with your podcast rather than just listening to it. That's interesting. And we can unpack that more. But that ties into another opportunity for podcasts because we all know that advertising has become a pretty big part of it. I used to hear one commercial on my podcast. Now I'm hearing five or six, right? So we're all getting used to it. Maybe annoyed with it, but we're all getting used to it. There's an emerging concept with audio advertising, any advertising really, but I think it's most interesting with audio advertising is the idea of a campaign voice lander. So if in the middle of the podcast, there is a placement for, call it Cadillac, and Cadillac sponsors the podcast and wants you to know about this, that feature or the new line of safety things that are coming out on the new Escalade or whatnot. There's the opportunity rather than just driving them to Cadillac.com or saying, hey, you can follow us on social to, to, to give them an opportunity to actually talk vis-a-vis your podcast to the brand. So if you want to know more about this, just simply say Alexa has queued up for the Cadillac offer. And now they're talking to Cadillac through your app, right? So now it just becomes an additional level of monetization for your podcast. Hmm, that's so cool. And it gives you the opportunity to collect information and pass it back to Cadillac as well. If the if the uh, listener or the the end that that end of the conversation opts into it. So does this become like a like a rabbit hole then, Jason? Or after you ask the the question, does the podcast resume playing, or do you see like most listeners kind of drop off after that because they ask a question and then they might go to another question, another question, and then they don't return? Or what do you do? You see anything from that? There's a couple of different ways that it can happen, actually. And I might get the platforms backwards here. And they're, they'll both change again because they're changing constantly. But right now, I think it's on Alexa. You can actually interrupt a long-form stream, ask a question, like it, do an, um, sort of think of it as different audio layers. So you've got the, the podcast happening in the background while you're asking the application, the voice app or the skill, a question about the advertiser. And then when you're done with it, it drops you back into the podcast. The other thing that you can do as a best practice is simply to give them guidance. So if I do end up stopping the podcast because I want to go, I want to talk to Cadillac about this cool thing that I just heard on your podcast at the conclusion of that conversation, just we can help them understand how to get back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for your interest in Cadillac. If you uh, have time and want to get back into the podcast, simply say, Alexa, resume my podcast. When they're talking to Cadillac, they would actually be talking to like Jay and I telling them about the offer for Cadillac or that, that would actually go into a piece recorded by Cadillac for their ad or whatever? 
this is greenfield, whatever, whatever makes sense. If, if the advertiser thinks that they're going to, and I could see different arguments for different brands, right? But if the advertiser thinks that there's going to be a greater sense of comfort, loyalty, trust, having you two talk more about it and say, Hey, listen, we're really happy you're interested in the, the Cadillac offer. We've both done a test drive and we'd love this thing. And it's probably worth your time to go do it. If you'd like us to text you a link to book one, just uh, give us your phone number now and we'll text it and we'll get back into the podcast. Or it could be the brand themselves that want to have more control over that. And so it could be a quick intro, voice intro by you guys. Hey guys, welcome to glad you're interested in Cadillac. Here they are to tell you a little bit more about the 2022 model. And then they start asking questions like, hey, we'd love to tell you more. What are you going to use this for? Is it going to be for recreation or uh, road trips? Or that's where conversational advertising are. And you can see how it can translate over to sort of podcasting content as well is because you're able to ask questions and get responses, you essentially can create a decision tree or choose your own adventure. It actually is a conversation. It's not just broadcasting. That's really interesting. I know we've gone through this before, Jay, is is with the hoster at ads being more more engaging, right? So that might be something that that companies look look into. I mean, I could see I think it's it's quite possibly brilliant. You know, I would be concerned with, you know, one of the biggest things that podcasters complain about is the time. Right? I don't have enough time to do a podcast, to market a podcast to digital. So to create sort of that decision tree that you mentioned, it's going to take some time to to be able to do that properly. Although at the end of the day, it, it's all about cost. It's all about the return of investment, right? So if the time is worth the investment, then you're going to do it. Uh, especially if, you know, Cadillac is, it's going to take a lot more than just a, 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 a test drive. I'm going to need an actual Escalade in my, in my driveway. <laughs> Thank you, Cadillac. Just going to let you know that right now. That's the sort of thing that would come up, but, but I think it's fascinating. And then the next thing would be, well, if we're doing it for the ad, then shouldn't we be doing it for the content as well? So as we're talking about certain things and talking about specific stats, like you mentioned before, going deeper into that conversation with the, I mean, you could go down a really deep rabbit hole rather quickly. I wonder how you can control that squirrel mentality that's sort of like, oh, there's a distraction over there. Let me go down this path and then wait, you you didn't follow the path that was originally intended for everyone in the first place. I've got a bit of a hypothesis on that, and it'd be interesting to get your guys' perspective since you eat, breathe, and live this this world. You know, the show notes section of podcasts, they can range, right? They can range from two or three sentences to a you know, timestamp bullet points on what's being discussed. I've seen it a lot of different ways. I wonder if the idea of either in addition to or instead of the long form content, breaking it up, breaking the content itself up into those manageable pieces that end up being, I don't know, three, four, five minutes long, that in the show notes, you you essentially give people the call to action for them as squirrels. <laughs> Here are the five things, and they get they become accustomed to, right? Here are the five things you can ask us about in our Alexa skill or our Google Assistant action. You don't have to commit the 45 minutes, which we know half of you think is too long. And if one of these subjects is of interest to you, we're going to essentially jump to that chapter of the podcast, but it maybe it, it could be a bit more engaging or um, conversational in nature rather than it just being the broadcast. It would be interesting. I can tell you, I can lay out a real world example here with my own NFL podcast, which I've had complaints is too long. It's, some, it's once a week and it 
typically runs about an hour and a half to two hours. And within that hour and a half, two hours, there's usually four or five very distinct segments. So I could see uh, the real world usage of something like this that you're describing here, specifically with that podcast, where you can jump to the different topics. And obviously in each topic, there's there's deeper conversations involved as well. So it does make a lot of sense. I think that's also somewhere where maybe at the end of each segment, you could say, if you want to check out the full episode, go here, right? Yeah. Well, like we're working with the um, Philadelphia Eagles, and they're using our platform to deploy out all of their podcasts, in addition to a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, they didn't say no to any of the other channels. So I can still listen to the variety of Eagles podcasts through my Apple podcast store, Spotify, or wherever, but it's also available there. And so in their, in their welcome message, when somebody says, Alexa, you know, open Philadelphia Eagles or, hey, Google, talk to Philadelphia Eagles, that first message that users get are going to give them something contextual, probably related to point of season, right? So they just hired a new head coach. So now their welcome message is talking about the new head coach. And if you want to know more about him, just ask us, you know, to give you more information and we'll walk you through, you know, this guy's background. And also don't forget that our podcasts are available as well. I think that's one of the beautiful parts of this channel is that you're not limited. Like with podcast as a channel, it's podcast, it's broadcast. I, and I, it's valuable and it's working. With voice, you get all of that plus more. So you don't have to just distribute the podcast. You can also layer in some other value that is conversational in nature like the Eagles are doing. How about uh, discovering podcasts, <laughs> Jason? For example, the Queued Up podcast, if you ask Alexa or, or Google to play the latest Queued Up podcast, it usually takes me qu- <laughs> quite a bit of asking before I finally land on our podcast. I know some of that is possibly the name, which we've discussed that before, Jay, but is there a way that we can make that easier for Google and Alexa to, to find our podcast? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things that you can do right out the gate. One is rather than relying on Google or Alexa to go find your podcast in somebody else's system, right? Spotify, Apple, you can create a third party application, which is what our essentially what our platform enables people to do, right? So instead of having just the podcast, you have a queued up skill, you have a queued up action, which is what these platforms are calling their voice apps. And when you create and deploy those out into the marketplaces of Alexa and Google Assistant, you increase, it's not a silver bullet, but you increase the likelihood of being found as a brand by them because you essentially registered yourself with them. The second thing that you can do is to, and we can talk more about discoverability here in a second because it's a really interesting subject, but the second thing that you can do is to work it into your communications with your listeners. Uh, For instance, going back to the Philadelphia Eagles, they worked into their pre-roll, they worked into their um, end roll a call to action from the people that were doing the podcast that, hey, don't forget that if you want this or more, uh, if you want to play one of our audio games, just make sure to say, Alexa, talk to the Philadelphia Eagles, right? They're calling out that there's a new channel that is supplementing what people are already used to. I can give you another specific use case that will probably resonate with the listener, but isn't podcast specific. And that is uh, Wolverine is allowing people, as I mentioned earlier, to track their order with Alexa, ask heads where my order is. Very simple, right? It's offsetting a boatload of um, call center traffic for them. But the question then is, well, how do you get that out there? How do you tell everybody about it? Because 
the average Keds user probably isn't thinking, oh, I should ask Alexa or Google this question <laughs> about my order. They're leveraging, um, and this bleeds into a larger marketing um, or customer experience conversation, but they're leveraging their entirety of their customer journey from a touch points perspective to identify when it is most natural to inform their customer that this new thing is a, a, uh, available to them. When you get the email confirmation from Wolverine that they received your Keds order, or let's say when you receive the email notification that there's a new podcast episode queued up available for you, there's a call to action in there. In addition to the link, in addition to social, there's a call to action letting the user know exactly what they want, what they should say in order to access it. With Wolverine, they had another sort of ace in the hole, which is they were doing this to offset call center traffic. People were calling in because of the pandemic. They couldn't go into stores, so their call center traffic increased. So they simply added the call to action to their hold music. So if you're calling to find out where your order is, why don't you try asking Alexa? You don't have to hang up the phone. Ask Alexa, ask the Alexa that's in your room. And if you get the answer, then you can hang up with us, right? And you'll find that the answers are very easy to arrive to once you start thinking this way is you just evaluate the customer journey and all of the other things you're doing with your audience and see where it makes sense to let them know there's this new thing that hopefully reduces friction in their lives. By the way, I, I keep getting an image of my head uh, whenever you say Wolverine, the Marvel character, uh, delivering delivering shoes to people. Here's your shoes, Bob. Snick, snick. Uh, <laughs> this was another interesting data point from the Infinite Dial. 51% of those age 12 plus frequently or sometimes listen to audio with other people, with this percentage rising to 69% among those age 12 to 34. So younger people are really the ones that are at the forefront of a lot of this audio revolution, if you don't mind me using the phrase, and really the ones that are embracing the use of smart speakers. Is this something, I mean, obviously this is something that we should be paying attention to, but is there a way to get the older generations to start embracing this a lot more too? Or is this really going to be something geared towards the younger folk? Yeah, you know, this is interesting because the report and obviously Edison Research is a great organization that puts out a lot of good research, but this is this is just a myopic view of it, right? The fact of the matter is, is that all ages are using voice assistants. Here's another example. Bank of America is using a voice assistant uh, inside of their mobile app to allow people to do transactional banking. And their statistics are much more like an adoption curve, right? They've got like 13% millennials and 15% boomers. And then the rest of the generations are sort of split up evenly. So low on either side and high in the middle. I think that adoption in audio in general and voice assistant specifically is going to be tied to the feature or function that can be accomplished. And so you guys will know podcasting statistics uh, much more uh, in depth and offhand than I will. I'm curious if that statistic of the younger generation accessing uh, voice assistants and podcasts translates into just general podcast listening overall. Is it similar enough that it's like, oh, it's just a generational thing around content versus sort of channel usage? I haven't mapped it one to one, but that's a good point that you bring up because there is there is obviously a huge growth in the younger generations in listening to podcasts. Whether that, like I just said, matches one to one, I I didn't, I haven't looked at it that way, uh, which I'm going to have to do now. I like to create homework for ourselves. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The other thing to consider again is that this is about smart speakers, which is a very valuable approach because again, without an assistant on a smart speaker, it becomes a paperweight. But these assistants are on billions of other devices. So this didn't include 
the assistant that's embedded in the Bose headphones, the assistant that's in my refrigerator, the assistant that's on my mobile device, right? So I know that from my own personal life experience, my dad is using his assistant almost exclusively on his mobile device. So for that statistic that we are talking about now, it's excluding an entire generation of people or an entire group of people that prefer not to use a smart speaker, but instead are really comfortable doing it through the remote control on their TV or the native app on their mobile device, right? Or even the new stat that the Infinite Dial had with the mobile operating system in your primary vehicle, right? Correct. I'm very curious about what is voice search and, and how does it work? Yeah, it's a, so voice SEO is sort of another emerging term around what the platforms are calling discoverability. And this is, without a doubt, probably the thing that annoys marketers and brands the most of anything in this channel, which <laughs> is that they're so used to things, but we all are as humans, but they're so brands are so used to things being quick and easy and immediate that when it takes a little bit of work, we all get annoyed. And I understand I used to be a marketer. I ran, I ran digital agencies or partnered in digital agencies for the past 20 years. So I get it. There's like, something new comes along and you're like, geez, another thing to manage. Like, hopefully this one will be simple and easy, right? Fact matter is it does yet. Like anything, it's going to take a little bit of work. So people very much want their user to be able to say, Alexa, what's the best toothpaste? And Colgate would love for Alexa to say, Colgate is the best toothpaste. (laughs) Crest would also like Alexa to say, Crest is the best toothpaste. Or if you're like me, you think Mentadent is the best toothpaste, which went out of business. But the fact of the matter is, is that's not what they want to take responsibility for. They are working very hard at making discoverability, the idea of learning something. And we're actually, Voiceify was selected for the the first ever uh, Google Assistant Accelerator, which is happening now. And one of the things we're working on with them is how to solve this problem. And one of our hypotheses is if... The voice assistant is already, if you've already, you can't use a voice assistant without logging into it, right? Right. Uh, it's just a, it's just a baseline in order to activate, activate it. So if that voice assistant already has access to, and you've permissioned it to have access to other parts of your life, well, if Google Assistant knows that in my Gmail, I have a, a package coming from Filson, which is a, an outdoor brand in the Northwest, then when I ask an outdoorsy question, maybe Google Assistant should let me know that Filson has an answer for me. It's not SEO per se. It's more like personal optimization. And we should probably coin a new term here and trademark it together, but... Um, <laughs> done. <laughs> done. Uh, that's where the trend is going to go, right? Because boy, like on a, on a web, on a screen, you're used to being able to quickly parse through at least the first 10 options. We know that drop off after page one is pretty high. Well, with voice, you got to be top one if that model were to continue. There's a new model that needs to be discovered. They are discovering it. We are following Voiceify as a platform. Is I guess that's a small plug to us. Is we're following it very closely, and we follow all of the best practices that they have in terms of metadata and code structure behind the scenes that our customers never have to see, so that the assistants can index what the content and purpose of the of the app is. So that when somebody says. I, w- I need to know where my order is from Wolverine. There is a higher likelihood that Alexa is going to say, hey, why don't we open up the Keds app and find out where your package is? That's really cool. What do you think about it, Jay? Hey, I need help with marketing my podcast. Well, you should <laughs> you should talk to Queued Up Podcasting Agency. <laughs> I like it. I-, I like it a lot. That or you should dial up Wolverine and and he'll help you with your 
with your marketing for sure. This has been fantastic, Jason. I appreciate it. If people have more questions about Voiceify or want to reach out to you, how can they do so? Uh, the easiest way is just to go to our website, voiceify.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with a, a company profile there. Uh, you can reach out to me on email, jfields at uh, voiceify.com. And uh, any one of those ways will find you uh, getting in touch with us. Excellent. Yeah. There goes Jason Fields, Chief Strategy Officer of Voiceify. Excellent stuff there, John. Very interesting. Very, very, very interesting. It's still kind of mind-blowing for me, the opportunities that you can have in the the voice assistant and the, the smart speaker arena. Well, I think it's important to note, too, you know, what Jason is talking about specifically is having your own app on the smart speakers via the voice assistant. Right. This isn't just your show is hosted on Libsyn or Blueberry or wherever, and they've got built-in accessibility to Alexa and all of the other voice assistants out there to distribute your podcast. This is creating a separate channel specifically for your podcast, which can then open up these other opportunities for the dive into this topic deeper, talk to the advertisers that are part of your show. Uh, these type of opportunities are only going to exist by creating your own channel for your own podcast. Right. But those opportunities, like I mentioned, could be a very valuable return of your investment. So definitely something to keep an eye on, definitely something to be watching for. If they were looking for help uh, on that investment, John, where could they turn to? How could they get in touch with maybe, say, the Queued Up Podcasting Agency? Good question. They can reach us through our website, which is queuedup.com, qd-up.com, through email, which is info at queuedup.com, or through any of our social media sites. And maybe in the future, you can also ask Alexa. Mmm, I like that idea. I like that idea. If you would like uh, assistance from a consulting or editorial standpoint, you can always reach me. I am at the Real Pod Vader on Twitter. My DMs are open. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Pod Vader there. I'm very easy to find. If you prefer an email, nextfanup at gmail.com. It is the email to that little football podcast that I was mentioning before, uh, but it is probably the best way to get in touch with me, to have a chat with me about podcasting. John, I have a I have a strong suspicion that while this might end our infinite dial series, this might be the conclusion to the infinite dial series that uh, our good friend, professor John introduced us to even more data that we want to explore. So I, I have a feeling this isn't the end of our data series, so to speak. I think that's a good hunch. Do you have any ideas of what might be coming up? I think there was a study done by Nielsen, which, uh, which Dr. John, appointed us to and uh, i have a few friends uh that i'm going to reach out to and see if maybe we can't get a guest to help us dive into that data and again the purpose of this isn't just to regurgitate the data points to you anybody can do that and a lot of people have and you can of course go and check these things out for yourself uh, and maybe it might be in your best interest to go and to the nielsen site right now and go check out that nielsen study on podcasting and podcast consumption before we even talk to our guests to talk about actionable insights that you can do based on these data points. Why are these data points so important? Well, that's what the queued up podcast on podcasting is here for you to do. So for John, I'm Pod Vader. There you have it.